So this episode is going to talk about what happens in our cells and all of the different parts of our cells and what happens when our cells get sick. So it's important to understand that all forms of disease start with disruptions in normal cellular structure and function. And that's really important to understand because most people don't think about illnesses as problems with our cells, but they think about them as problems of systems. And they kind of forget that the cells are interconnected. They end up with one of those forest from the trees kinds of views, and it really loses the impact of what we're trying to accomplish. So homeostasis is a really, really important concept when we are thinking about our cells. Now, homeostasis in this context is a state where the internal and external environments of the cells are balanced. So that's a really, really big, important piece. Now, there's a lot of systems that are involved in maintaining homeostasis. And when something is out of balance, disease occurs, illness occurs. It's that easy. So there's so many systems that are involved in trying to maintain this homeostasis that hopefully nothing happens to, to put it out of balance. But when it's done, when it does, it, we definitely feel it. So there's all of these systems maintaining homeostasis, the plasma membrane, the cytoplasm, the nucleus, the DNA, and the organelles. We're going to go through all of these. So the plasma membrane, the outer covering, binds the cells, keep, forms the boundary between the inside and the outside of the cells. There are so many definitions in pathophysiology and pharmacology. So, so, so many definitions. And you will actually find a list of all of the definitions with all of the, uh, I'm sorry, all of the um, important words and all of their definitions on your Brightspace uh, website so that you don't necessarily have to sit and copy everything down. But do you know that all of these are going to be really, really important to understand? So the cytoplasm, that is the gel-like, that's the inside of the cell. It has all the stuff in it. So it's got the water, the ions, the proteins, the carbohydrates, the lipids, the everything that's inside your cell that is not the nucleus, the DNA, the organelles. So if it's not one of the organelles, because technically the DNA is part of the nucleus, the nucleus is an organelle, right? So if it's not an organelle, it's inside the cell, so it's inside the plasma membrane, then it's cytoplasm. Okay, so nucleus, that's the part of the cell that contains the DNA. The DNA is all that genetic material that forms the template for the creation of the cellular proteins. Now, you guys have already had this because you guys have had three credits of genetics to this point. So if any of this needs more clarification, please let me know. And I'm very happy to go back and through any of this. So the organelles, those are the special structures in the cell that perform the specific functions. So those we're going to spend a little bit more time on. So first, let's look at the plasma membrane. So the plasma membrane is made up of a phospholipid bilayer. So that means the bilayer, the two layers, one on the inside, one on the outside, tightly woven molecules. One side is hydrophilic, meaning that it loves water, and the other one is hydrophobic, which means it hates water. So one side gets 
stops all of the things that love the water. One side stops all of the things that hate the water and nothing really gets through. The only places things that can go through are CO2 and O2. Those things can go through anytime they want. So oxygen and carbon dioxide, they can go anytime, anywhere. You're free to go. No problems whatsoever. Everything is good. Everything else has some sort of of um, place that it goes through um, between the membrane, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But CO2 and O2 can cross any place, any time that they want. All right, so common problems with the plasma membrane. So extra fluid in the intracellular environment, intracellular inside the cell, causes cellular swelling, cellular dehydration. So too little fluid in the intracellular environment, environment, so in that cytoplasm, causes cellular shrinkage. Those can both be really, really big problems because any change in the intracellular environment is going to throw out homeostasis. Big problems. So one of the things in the plasma membrane that allows things to cross is this ion channel. Now, ion channel, this is one of the places that water crosses that will help to prevent that dehydration or that edema. So an ion channel is it allows specific ions to pass through the plasma membrane at certain points and in certain circumstances. So they act like a bridge for that ion, but they act like a bridge only in a certain circumstance. So things turn them on, things turn them off. It's great. It works great. So one of the most famous or most important or most common, I guess, is our sodium potassium pump. Sodium potassium pump is particularly important pump. We use it for active transport. We'll talk about what the difference between active and passive transport is in just a couple of moments. So it pushes potassium into the cell and it pushes um, sodium out of the cell. So potassium goes in and sodium goes out. Now notice that it doesn't just allow them to go in or go out. It actively pushes them in and pushes them out. That's why it's active transport. And it pushes them against the electrical gradient. Now things will flow generally with an electrochemical gradient. So electrochemical gradient, meaning you've all heard of osmosis, things go from higher concentration to lower concentration so the concentration can even out, right? So you've seen how you can have a a bowl full of water and you drop a blue um, food coloring and just one single drop of blue food coloring and then that very concentrated blue food coloring will eventually go from one tiny little spot until if over enough time the entire bowl is a very homogeneous blue so what that's doing is it's going from an area of high concentration until everything is equally spaced out. So it's a high concentration to an equal concentration everywhere. So that is, in that case, a chemical gradient. So things work like that with an electrical gradient as well. Things want to be electrically the same. So active transport uses energy to push things against the electrochemical gradient. So it will push sodium into the cell and push potassium out of the cell. That's a really important concept. Now, the reason that it does that is that it wants to stabilize the electrical membrane potential. 
and it prepares for action potential. And that's really critical in muscle and nerve cells. And I know that you've gotten that in a lot of anatomy and physiology classes up until this point. So common problems with the sodium potassium pump, the biggest one or one big one that we see is congestive heart failure. So problems with the sodium potassium pump can actually uh, create 40% decrease in activity in the I'm sorry, a 40% so, a decrease in the activity of a sodium potassium pump can reduce the ability of the muscle to contract, which thus causes the symptoms of congestive heart failure. Congestive heart failure, heart doesn't pump as much fluid as it needs to. The fluid will back up into wherever it was that it should have been pumped out of. So um, sodium potassium pump can cause a really, really, really big problem here. All right, so the next thing we want to talk about on the plasma membrane is a glycoprotein. So glycoproteins, specific carbohydrates that are attached outside of the membrane that act as surface markers. So they really identify the cells, the parts of your cells that uh, are are you. So you will have your own unique glycoproteins, just like I have my own unique glycoproteins. They say to my cells, I am part of me. And so all of my white blood cells, as they're roaming around and trying to find invaders, they'll look at my glycoproteins and say, all right, this is my own cell. I'm not going to attack this cell because this is part of me. So when glycoproteins are not correct, they can cause a lot of problems with autoimmune diseases. So it causes those white blood cells to kind of go into overdrive and start attacking your own cells because they don't recognize them as self. So things like inflammatory bowel disease, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, those are all problems with glycoproteins and those all go along with autoimmune diseases. So another word for glycoproteins is also antigens. That's another important word. All right, let's look at another organelle here, mitochondria. Mitochondria convert organic nutrients into cell energy in the form of ATP. ATP is that energy that's the gasoline that helps the cell move along. So they do the mitochondria needs oxygen for aerobic metabolism. They do have their own DNA, which we're going to look at in just a moment. Um, mitochondrial DNA is passed maternally. It can reproduce as needed when a cell needs more ATP formation, which is really cool. Um, cell types that use the most energy are muscles and nerves and other cells have less mitochondrial DNA because they don't need quite as much energy. Problems with mitochondria, uh, they can, can be mutated when exposed to free radicals, uh, causing some of the changes that we see with aging, diabetes, heart failure, and cancer. So when we have a lot of free radicals in our body, then they actually attack the mitochondria. So let's look at free radicals. Now, free radicals themselves are not organelles. No, no, no. But free radicals affect the organelles. So free radicals are a type of unstable mo molecule that's made during normal cell metabolism. So it's a waste product of cellular metabolism. So free radicals, they can build up in cells and they can cause damage to other molecules such as DNA, lipids, and proteins. So that's when you hear about free radicals, we want to rid our bodies of free radicals so they don't build up and then cause damage to the DNA, the lipids, and the proteins. 
Lysosomes, another part of, I'm sorry, another type of organelle. They are a membrane enclosed pocket of acidity. Now, the cells use lysosomes as kind of the the roaming trash buckets of the cells. So they run around and, well, they don't run. You know what I mean. They move around and they uh, break down the cellular debris and the foreign substances. So they just really roam around and they engulf anything that's bad. Um, they are completely acidic, so we don't want them to open up. Uh, and just willy-nilly and um, start to digest the cell itself. That would be a big problem. We want them to only um, engulf and destroy the bad stuff. So common problems with lysosomes. So it, instead of being broken down, the waste products get stored in cells. So if a person doesn't have enough lysosomes or the lysosomes are not working correctly, the waste products don't get broken down uh, as well. And that's what happens with Tay-Sachs disease. So Tay-Sachs disease is a problem um, that we usually see by the age uh, one and a half or two. Um, a child develops normally until that age when they just stop developing Um and they, they start to have um, intellectual disabilities at that point um, because their brains are just not developing and they've built up so many waste products in their cells, such as their brains, um, that they, they don't uh, uh, grow correctly. And then their muscles also, remember, these are the ones that have the most metabolism and the most uh, uh, waste products to break down. And... So they, they don't, uh, they can't move correctly either. So this does lead to dementia, paralysis, and death. It's really not good at all. Um, very young death. So ribosomes, one of the last organelles we're going to talk about, they're made up of ribosomal RNA. So that's rRNA. There's three different kinds of RNA. We'll get to that in just a little bit. They make up the they make the proteins in the cells. So each ribosome can be programmed to make innumerable type of pro of proteins. Many, 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 many different kinds of proteins on each ribosome. So they're really the protein creation factories. Uh, and then we have the endoplasmic reticulum. That's a word that's really hard for me to say. Endoplasmic reticulum. That's really hard. Anyway, um, it creates a transport network within the cells. The smooth ER is located for, is the location for lipid production and the rough ER, that's where it has all the rib ribosomes. And right, that is where we create all of the proteins. So the smooth endoplasmic reticulum creates the lipids. The rough endoplasmic reticulum has the ribosomes and that's where we create proteins. Now, we have one other, the vesicles. Now, from my picture here, my picture wasn't terribly well done here, unfortunately. Um, but think of that as a round, uh, continuous piece here. So the vesicles hold the proteins and the waste cells that are going to be carried to the cell wall to be released. So they're actually made up of the phospholipid bilayer that is used for the rest of the cell as well. And they will travel to the end and they will just kind of go in and, and open up and then they will create pockets and go back and and carry other things back and forth. Golgi apparatus um, processes and packages proteins into vesicles. So these vesicles we just saw here, the Golgi apparatus is the one that creates them. 
Um, I am going to stop here because we hit 15 minutes and I want to be able to spend some time on the nucleus. All right, see you in the next one.